Well, you can tell from that song, parenting is not for the faint at heart. You know, when it comes to parenting, sometimes it's hard to know which way is up and which way is down. Isn't that the truth? Mark Twain took a little bit different approach to parenting. He said, when it comes to raising kids, I have only one piece of advice. When your child turns 13, stick them in a barrel, seal the lid, and feed them through the knot hole. When they turn 16, plug up the knot hole. Now, I beg to differ with Mark Twain. I mean, have you tried to put a 13-year-old in a barrel? Not to say anything about trying to feed them through that tiny knot hole. Having raised three 13-year-olds through the teenage years, I'm here to tell you a 13-year-old can vacuum a refrigerator completely free of food in a matter of minutes. I mean, I wish parenting were that simple like Mark Twain talks about. But parenting... It's demanding, it's difficult, it's baffling at best. Navigating the twists and turns of family life can be confusion, confusing. You know, maybe you feel a lot like Patty and me. You know, we wonder if our parenting style has set our kids up for a lifetime of therapy. Maybe you're there with me. Well, this morning what I want to do is give you a a framework for thinking through your parenting, a big picture approach that will help you engage with your kids no matter what stage they're in. As Chad presented last week, whether they're in the caretaker stage of preschool or maybe the crossing guard stage of elementary school or maybe it's the coach stage of the teenage years or it's the adult Stage or the consultant stage of adult life, uh, no matter where your kids are in any of those stages. Did you know parenting is a lot like farming? Now, when you came in, uh, you received a packet of seeds, didn't you? Take those out for a moment and look at them. Let me ask you a question. What, what do you need to do to ensure these seeds grow up? To be healthy plants. What, what kind of things do you need to do? You need to water them, okay? Put them in the ground, put them in the dirt. The sun, feed them. Well, let me ask you, okay? Would you plant these seeds in full sun or full shade? Would you water them once a day or once a month? Would you locate them near a trellis or out in the open field? You don't know, do you? It depends. It depends on what seeds you were given. You see, being a parent is like being a farmer who's been given a handful of seeds, only we don't know what seeds we've been given. I mean, some of these seeds will grow into tall stalks of yellow corn. Others might grow into winter, golden winter wheat. It just all depends. And... and You can't make wheat seeds turn corn. And you can't make corn seeds turn into wheat. In fact, if a farmer tries to produce corn from uh, wheat seeds, all it will do is frustrate the wheat. No matter how, as hard as he tries, he will never get corn from wheat. 
You see, wheat seeds need a different nutrition and different environment, different care than does corn. Now, at the risk of sounding simplistic, I want to say the single most helpful insight I could give you into parenting this morning would be this. Effective parenting begins by understanding how your child is wired. In other words, if you know what seeds you've been given, then you can more effectively grow them into healthy plants. Did you know the book of Proverbs says that very same thing? A book that was written thousands of years ago. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, it says this, Raise up a child in the way he shall go, and when he is old, he'll not depart from it. Now, the... the Did you know that's one of the most insightful passages on child raising in the entire Bible? But it's also one of the most misunderstood passages. I mean, the common interpretation of that passage would go something like this. If you keep your child in church, out of trouble, in school, off drugs, and on the right path, that even if he strays from the straight and narrow when he's old, he'll return to the morals that he once was taught. Now, the problem I have with that interpretation is it doesn't take into account the will of the child. I mean, a person has the capacity to make his or her own choices. In fact, I have seen um, good kids raised in good homes turn out wild. And I've seen wild kids raised in wild homes end up turning out okay. So this verse bears a second look. Did you know that phrase, train up, comes from a root word in the Hebrew text. That's the text that Old Testament was written, originally written in. It comes from a root word that means palate or roof of the mouth. In fact, in Solomon's day, back when Proverbs were written, uh, a midwife would take an infant after uh, he or she is born, uh, hold that child in her arms, would take her index finger and dip it into a bowl of crushed grapes or dates and insert that index finger into that child's mouth, rubbing the top part, the palate of the mouth. That's what train up means. And what is she doing by doing that? It's encouraging that child to begin nursing. You see, the midwife's job is to stimulate the instinct that God has naturally built into that child to nurse. Let me look back at the verse for a second. It says, train up a child in the way he shall go. Now, most parents look at that phrase, in the way he shall go, and says, well, that's easy. I know where the child should go. I mean, I'm the adult, and I'll make sure he goes that direction. But did you know that verse doesn't mean that at all? In fact, it means exactly the opposite. The way he shall go doesn't speak of a parent's way as a prescribed path for that particular child. That phrase is represented by one word in the Hebrew text, Derek. It means according to that child's bent, their natural bent. It refers to his or her unique personality, their God-given design. Probably a more accurate rendering of the text would be something like this. Adapt the training of your child so that it's in keeping with 
that child's natural God-given design, and when he is mature, he will not depart from that pattern of life. That'd be a more accurate rendering of that text. You see, what, what God is saying, and what Solomon seems to understand, is that every child has a natural God-given bent, a basic personality that needs to be nurtured and encouraged. I mean, kids are as different as apples are to oranges. And when you take into account that natural bent and raise them according to that natural bent, then when they they turn old, they will be comfortable with themselves. They will be secure in engaging the world around them, and it's from that platform that they can be launched into the world in order to engage it successfully. Now, we tend to take the opposite view of parenting, don't we? Uh, our kids, we look at them like soft, pliable pieces of clay. And, and they can be molded and pushed and stretched and stamped into the kind of kids we desire. But Solomon is saying that from the womb, your children come with a prescribed set of personality traits. And it's our job as parents to discover and nurture those traits in our kids, their natural bent. I mean, just like every child has a unique fingerprint, every child has a unique behavioral print. And if you've got kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, I've got two sons, uh, Josh and Daniel. Now, Josh, my oldest, he's more task-oriented, where Daniel, well, he's, he's more people-oriented. Josh is more initiating, where Daniel, well, he's more responding. Daniel um, tends to express his emotions Josh tends to suppress his emotions. They're they're different people. They have different personalities. And they have been different from from birth. And so what Solomon is saying in this proverb is every child has a unique design or behavioral style. But secondly, you need to know he's implying that every style has certain strengths and weaknesses. Did you know strengths tend to come in clusters? I mean, you, you can have an outgoing, results-oriented person. They tend to be people who get things done and can be quite decisive. That's kind of a cluster or a package of strengths. They kind of walk together. Uh, or uh, someone can be reserved and people-oriented. They're probably pretty good listeners, and they have stable relationships. That's another package of strengths. Now, here is the rub. Every strength, when it's pushed to an extreme, becomes a weakness. Another another way of saying it is everyone's upside has a natural downside. I love my oldest son's uh, strength of decisiveness. I admire that. When he was little, we'd go into a candy store. I'd say, can you pick out anything in the candy store? He'd say, I want this. We'd be in and out of that store in less than 10 seconds. Daniel, on the other hand, we walk into the candy store. I tell him to pick anything he wants. And for 30 minutes, he's looking at every candy bar trying to make his decision. Now, I admire Josh's decisiveness. I like that about him. But that decisiveness, if pushed to an extreme, that's a strength, but pushed to an extreme becomes bullheadedness. He never wants to change his mind. Uh, I mean, that's the direction that strength ends up going. In fact, um, what I'm saying is strengths, they come in packages. 
And every strength has a corresponding weakness. In fact, I want you to watch the, uh, the video screen, and I want to have two children introduce themselves. See if you can see the difference between the two. Watch the screen. for myself. My mom says she never saw anybody learn to feed himself, tie his own shoes, or learn to ride his bike quicker than I did. I like games that have a lot of action, and I like to win as much as I can. I really like playing video games with my sister Angie, because she's so easy to beat. But I gotta admit that sometimes I get boring. It's funny, but every once in a while, I feel that adults are a little uncomfortable around me, because, well... I don't really know why. I guess they don't think I act like a kid should. I'm not afraid to say a lot of things that other kids don't seem to want to say, even if they feel it. The thing that scares me the most is somebody bigger taking advantage of me just because I'm a kid. That's not fair, and I really don't like taking orders from somebody just because they're older than I am or bigger than I am. Another thing I don't like is when one of my friends tries to take advantage of me in some way just to beat me in a game. I don't like to lose, but I sure don't like to lose just because somebody's putting something over on me. If that happens in somebody else's house, I just leave. If it happens here, I tell them to leave, and if they don't like it, well, that's their problem. Hello. My name is Angela Romano. I guess my style is called steady or stable. I really like life when everything is going smoothly. I enjoy doing my chores around the house each week. Because I kind of like knowing that there's always a routine to be followed. In fact, even when it comes to watching television, I enjoy certain shows and get kind of upset if they move them to a different night. Or don't show them because something else is going on. I like it when Mom tells her stories and Dad explains things to me. Because I enjoy listening to other people talk about what's important to them. I guess I really like people. But I don't like being the center of attention. I prefer to just sort of watch other people. And I especially like it when they're enjoying doing whatever it is they're doing. What don't I like? I can tell you right off the top that I don't like arguments. Mom and Dad don't argue very much. But when they do, I get really upset. Even though I know everybody argues once in a while, I just don't like to argue at all. I'll even let people have their way even if I disagree with them, just to avoid any kind of argument. I said before that I don't like being the center of attention for any reason, and that means I don't even enjoy being put into the spotlight for something good I've done. I mean, I guess I like people to know that I've done something good. I just don't like anybody to make a big deal out of it. Now, let me ask you, how many of you liked that first child, Joey Romano? How many enjoyed watching him? Okay, a few of you did. He's kind of aggressive, isn't he? Okay, you you probably admired his um, honesty. He was very honest. His initiating style, you never have to guess what he's thinking. But others of you thought, whoa, what would it be like to parent that kid? I mean, he just, he tells you exactly what he thinks. I don't know if I want to hear all that. How many of you liked Angela Romano? Raise your hand. That was the second one. How many? Okay, some of you liked that. You, you probably liked her willingness to help and engage in her sense of responsibility. I mean, that's Angela. But others of you probably wondered, wow, what would it be like having her follow you around all day if you're the dad looking over your shoulder while you're doing projects? I mean, that would drive me nuts. 
Now, you see, as parents, we do tend to relate better to one style than we do another. I mean, the truth is we appreciate the strengths in others that we tend to have in ourselves. Uh, in other words, we're most comfortable with people like us. If you are quick and decisive uh, in your personality, you tend to hang with people who are quick, decisive, and more aggressive. If you're cautious and people-oriented, you, you tend to hang with people who are more relationally oriented. Now, it's no different than when it comes to relating to our kids and which ones we enjoy better or we enjoy least. Now, there is the problem. We tend to make our kids in our image what we enjoy rather than the image of who they are inside. I mean, if you truly want to have a meaningful relationship with your son or daughter, you've got to understand who they are as God has designed them. You've got to lay aside what you want them to become and spend time getting to know who they already are. See, our job is not so much to bend and shape our kids in a personality as it is to create an environment for the the natural bend and shape to come to the surface and develop naturally. So to do that, then one's personality... You have to conclude one's personality is not better than another person's personality. You see, personality is not good or bad. There's nothing related to wrong or right when it comes to personality. They're just different. And because they are different, you've got to treat them differently. So what Solomon is saying is that our foundational job as a parent is to understand, first of all, how our children are wired. But that brings up an interesting question, doesn't it? So how are your children wired? What is your child like? Did you know behavioral scientists have been studying that for years? And I find it amazing that what they have discovered, I think Solomon knew 3,000 years ago, and it's contained for us in that verse I read to you earlier. You see, social scientists have revealed several behavioral styles. The first... I would call the directive style. In fact, Joey Romano was a directive style child. And if you've got a grandchild or a son or daughter who's like Joey, you need to know those children like to be in control. I mean, from the moment they enter your family, they look over the edge of the crib and they think, how can I rule this family? They want control. That's who they are. And they tend to declare themselves. You don't have to guess what's going on inside of them. They usually tell you, either in words or in behavior. Sometimes it's inappropriate, like having fits or really strongly declaring their, through their actions. Their favorite phrase is, I'll do it myself. And it starts with tying their shoes. When they ride, learn to ride a bike, I'll do it myself. When they learn to drive a car, I'll do it myself. And as an adult life, it doesn't change. It, when they start their own business, I want to see if I can do it myself. These kids, all the way through life, even into adulthood, they like challenges, competition, and being given choices. A directing child needs to know there's something he's in charge of in order to feel good about himself. So giving that child choices is key 
to him feeling good about himself. So if you've got a small little four-year-old directive child, then instead of picking out the outfit they wear that day, you need to give them choices. Put two outfits on the bed and allow them to choose. That allows them to feel good about themselves like they have control over something. But these kids need to know they can't control everything. And they will try to. If you ask a directive child what his favorite song is, the theme song of his life, what do you think he would say? Any ideas? Frank Sinatra's I Did It My Way. That would be their theme song. My oldest son is a directive-styled individual as a child. Remember, he's motivated by challenges. I'll never forget the supper we had where Josh, my oldest, uh, mentioned something from the Bible. He quoted something in the Bible, and I looked at him and I said, Well, Josh, you, you can't trust that. that. That book was written by men. Men, they aren't reliable in the things they write. It may not, it's probably not accurate. And Josh looked at me and said, well, What do you mean, Dad? It was written by God. I said, go get your Bible and I'll show you. And he went upstairs, grabbed his Bible, brought it downstairs. I turned to Ephesians 1. 1, I said, it says, now I, Paul, Apostle Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to all the saints in Ephesus. I said, that was written by a guy named Paul to a group of people at Ephesus. It was written by a man. It didn't say it was written by God. It's written by a man. And I grabbed his napkin. I wrote smoke dope on it. And I said, so what's the difference between the two? Which is more reliable? He looked at him, he looked at me, he says, what, Dad? What is? And I said, well, I don't want to answer that over supper tonight. Let's save that for tomorrow night. So, Daniel, how are you doing? I mean, Laura, did you have a good day? What did you do today? And I just changed the subject. But I knew, because he likes a challenge, he's sitting over there and I can just hear the gears turning in his head. His little eyes are almost going in the back of his head just thinking about it. Next supper, we sat down, had the blessing, amen. Dad, what's the answer? What's the answer? He'd been thinking about it for 24 hours. I said, well, Josh, I, I don't want to give you the answer. What I want to ask your mom is why she trusts the Bible. Why does she think it's reliable? And, and of course, Patty knew it was coming. She was tipped off, and she talked about Messianic prophecy. And those predictions made about Messiah hundreds of years before uh, Jesus Christ set foot on this earth, all fulfilled in the life of a carpenter from Nazareth named Jesus. And we looked at the probability that just eight of those prophecies would be fulfilled in the life of any one person, and the probabilities are astronomical. And, and then I talked about the uniqueness of the Scripture and how it was written over 1,600 years by 40-plus authors over 40 generations in three different languages on three different continents. It was written in different times, different moods from different perspectives, yet with complete continuity from beginning to end. That makes it extremely unique. By the way, everything I just told you can be found in Josh McDowell's book, More Than a Carpenter, out there on our book rack. And suddenly, because I engaged with his natural directive style, Josh began to see the reliability of the Scripture and why it could be trusted. But that's only one personality style. There's a second way children can have a style of relating to the world around them. And you could call that an interactive style. Now, interactive children love to have fun. They tend to be talkative, they're optimistic, and they're involved. An interactive child has never met a stranger. 
Now, everybody is their friend. They're well-equipped socially. They love to talk, and they'll talk about anything and everything. And they usually develop a pretty significant vocabulary and do it early in life. Their favorite phrase would be, let's have a party. Because that just governs their life, having fun. And what's important to this child is social acceptance and an opportunity for expression in a non-judgmental environment. So parents need to encourage and build this child up verbally. Now, you also need to know these children are prone to impulsivity. They just do things at the drop of a hat. Their room's always a mess. And there's no hope that it'll ever be clean. I want you to know that. It will not happen. In fact, we had to adjust to our um, child who's interactive, Daniel. He's my second. We made the condition is that, okay, there's got to be a path to your bed on the floor. You know, everything else, it can be put on the bed. So it just got piled up on the bed all the way around. But that's how we adjust it. Now, when they get a car, it'll be a mess too. But that's okay for them because what matters to them are people. They're focused on people. Now, interactive child always has an endless supply of energy to feel good about themselves. They need fun and varied activities. Uh, if they're small, that's the kind of things mom and dad need to plan. Uh, they also need lots of hugging, holding, touching, and affection. I have a friend who has an interactive child, but he and his wife, that child's mom and dad, are polar opposite that. They don't know how to have fun. So this dad and mom had to go to school to learn how to have fun in order to engage this child in a way that is uh, effective for that child. Now, if the directive child's favorite song is I Did It My Way, what do you think the interactive child's favorite song is? Any ideas? How about Pharrell Williams' song, Happy? I mean, that just screams about what they enjoy. In fact, I want you to watch this clip of this interactive child. Hi, I'm Bradley Richards. And what kind of car do my initials describe, RR? That's right, I'm the Rolls Royce of this family. Oh, in case you couldn't tell, I have a high eye profile. That means I really enjoy being around people, even my dad here. Now, I bet you think two people who are so different have nothing but problems. But hey, really deep down, I like the way my dad gets right into things. Plus, my mom keeps on working on him to get him to lighten up. Me, I just enjoy being around all of them. I really got a lot of friends, and I get into the social thing as much as I can. Now, sometimes that gets me into a little bit of trouble, especially with Dad. I, it's not like I do it on purpose or anything, but when I get busy with my friends, I kind of lose track of time and forget about the things that I said I would get done. My sister has this plan-out-your-day kind of thing to help her keep her on track. I tried using something like that, and you know what happened? I lost it. Again, I didn't lose it on purpose or anything. I just lost it. I got to try to work on those things to keep on everybody's good side. They get a little exasperated with me, but hey, that's me. R-R. Now, if you've got an interactive child, he probably is a lot like Rodney Richards. Remember he said I had one of those plan out your day kind of things, but I lost it. That's typical of this child. They are losing things, misplacing things right and left. That's the interactive style uh, a child can have. But, but there's a third style uh, research shows of how kids are wired, and it's called a supportive style. You remember that first video clip with Angela Romano, the second child in that clip? She's a supportive behavioral style. 
Now, that style of child loves peace. They love it more than anything. And these are easy kids to have. They're quiet, they're easygoing, they're agreeable. In fact, if your first child is a supporting style child, you probably thought you were the perfect parent. Then the second one came on like Joey Romano to prove otherwise. You're not. Supportive child's favorite saying is, I love it when things go smoothly. They're great listeners. They like doing things with people. Where the directive child, Joey Romano, loves change, you need to know change is hard for this personality, the, the supportive. Uh, they need to warm up to change. In fact, if you're a parent that changes things quickly, changes things at the drop of a hat, then you know that you can frustrate this child. You've got to introduce change gradually to them. And this supportive style uh, also, this supportive child also is a child that avoids conflict. Where Joey Romano will take conflict head on, this child will always acquiesce or give in. In other words, you, this child has a tendency not to let you know what's going on under the surface, inside. And so to, you might need a heavy hand with a Joey Romano, but harsh words with this child will kill their heart, their spirit. You need to handle them differently, which means you may need to slow down your pace and draw them out emotionally. Now, where, where Joey's favorite song, the, the first one, uh, is I Did It My Way, where the interactive child's favorite song is Happy, what do you think the supportive child's favorite song is? Any ideas? Feelings, nothing more than feelings. And in order to parent them effectively, you've got to tune in to their feelings. But there's a fourth way children are wired. Uh, and the fourth style is called a corrective style. Now, the goal of this child is different from the other three. Their goal is to be right. They tend to be analytical and are critical thinkers. Uh, they like to view the world from a distance, evaluating as they go. They are also quiet and reserved. They tend to be organized. Everything has a place. These kids' rooms will probably be neat. And their favorite saying is, I don't like it when I make mistakes. And they spend most of their life trying to avoid making mistakes, which makes them prone to depression. Why? Because Perfection is an impossible goal. Uh, now, these kids are sensitive with regard to the things they do because they want to get it right. If you act a, ask a corrective child to draw you a picture, well, it may take an hour or two. They're not going to show it to you until it is perfect, which means they probably tore it up three or four times, maybe a dozen times, before they got it right to show it to you. These children need to be drawn out emotional, emotionally as well because they tend to think that if you love me, then you'll just know what I want and I won't have to tell you. So parents need patience with them. Patience because this corrective child needs extra time. Extra time to do what? To get things right. They can't be rushed. Well, what do you think this child's favorite song is? 
It's a trick question because we don't know. Because they've not practiced it enough to get it note perfect in order to sing it to you. Okay? So that's the corrective child. Uh, I want you to watch this video clip of a corrective child. Hello, my name is Ray McAllister, and I have a high C behavior profile. My mother and I have a very good relationship. She seems to appreciate the things that I do well, whether it's here at home, or in school, or in band. I'm a good student, and I'm most comfortable in classes that deal with things that make the most amount of sense to me. I don't like classes where I might make mistakes, since being right is very important to me. I have to work very hard to get good grades in my math and science classes, since it seems to be more chance of making mistakes in those classes. My teachers say that usually the work that I turn in is very neat, and that makes me feel good to hear that. I play flute in a band, and I really like that. Sometimes I practice the piece over and over again to get it note perfect, because I usually get very embarrassed if I play one note wrong in front of anybody, even if they don't notice. I have my own standards, and I feel I must live up to them. Since it's just my mom and me, I try and do as much as I can. I like to know what she expects from me. As long as I know what I'm expected to do, I can do it. Some of my friends say that I'm too cautious sometimes, and that I pay more attention to things than to feelings. I suppose when I think about it, that's true. I guess I do have to open myself up a little bit more to people in my life. But that's a very hard thing for me to do. Did you notice how cautious she was? That's a corrective, styled child. Now, as a matter of fact, children are not just directive or interactive or um, supportive or corrective. They're actually a combination of all four. But one of those traits will always dominate the other three. That is the bent that Solomon is talking about in the Proverbs. And the second thing you need to know is that children, when they're young, play with all four behavioral styles, trying to find out what fits them best, what they're most comfortable with. So when kids are small, it can be a little confusing trying to measure what style they actually are. So knowing your child's behavioral style is the very first step in effective parenting. But you also have a behavioral style, don't you? So you've got your child's behavioral style and you've got a behavioral style. So who's going to adjust to who? That's the question, isn't it? Who's adjusting to who? Well, most parents will say, well, the child is going to adjust to my behavioral style and you make all the kids adjust to you. But Solomon would say, no, that's exactly opposite of what I'm talking about here. Solomon would say the most mature of the two in the relationship needs to be the one who adjusts. Now, the parent is supposed to be most mature. So a parent has to develop flexibility and versatility in relationship to each of his kids. He has to treat them each differently because each is so different. Now, how that works out is Daniel, for instance, uh, is more like Rodney Richards. I mean, he's fun-loving, he's relational. He's always losing things and forgetting stuff. I, as the parent, I'm more like Joey Romano. 
kind of strong will determined and we'll accomplish this. So I could easily run over Daniel telling him what to do and how to do it and when it needs to be done. Or, or more accurately, tell him what he didn't do that he was supposed to have done that he forgot about to make sure it gets done. So I'm supposed to be the one to adjust, which that means then getting things done. I need to be more relational. I need to be more fun-loving, which I discovered as Daniel grew up, it meant we would do things together. We would clean up his room together, work on homework together. Daniel could focus, because he's so relational, when we did them Together. Together was the key. For my older son, Josh, just telling him to get his homework done, he'd get it done, and then he'd reward himself with play afterwards. Daniel, on the other hand, was polar opposite. In order to get his homework done, what that meant he had to do is have some fun first. And when I began to recognize that, it meant that if he had a a big homework assignment, it meant I needed to wrestle with him before he started studying, or I needed to take the sprayer on the sink and squirt him a couple times at the supper table. Something fun-loving, and once he had fun under his belt, he was then able to buckle down and get the assignment done. It all depends on your child's behavioral style. Now, I have dumped a lot on you in 30 minutes, far more than you could possibly write down. But I want you to know that everything I've said and a whole lot more is in a book written by a friend of mine, Charlie Boyd, called Different Children, Different Needs. It's on our book rack out there. And if you want to go deeper in understanding not just your child's God-given design, but your natural parenting style, and where conflict comes between the two, you'll want to pick that up. And in the middle of the book, there is an assessment that allows you to get a better measure on your child's design. Father, thank you for this simple little proverb that is so effective in how we engage our kids. Would you help us as moms and dads, no matter what age our kids are, uh, to be flexible and versatile as we engage with the children you've given us responsibility for? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, if you're new to the Bible, uh, one of the things about learning about Jesus is you see that Jesus is a heavenly father. He actually interacts with us the same way Doug described. He takes our unique bents and he works with us and he challenges us and he encourages us. He affirms us. He directs us. And I love the idea that these aren't just principles we use with our kids. but This is actually the same thing that God does with us. And maybe we grew up in a family that we weren't celebrated or encouraged or parented according to our bent. Sometimes unraveling yourself from some of the baggage of that can occur when you actually start to see God as your heavenly father and see how he parents with you. In fact, Jesus, when he picked a bunch of disciples together, he picked people of all kinds of different personalities. It's amazing to see as a leader how he adjusts his style to each one of those personalities. So as you came in today, we gave you this little diagram of the parent map. And if you have kids, this is a great tool to use. You can sit down with them and just talk about where you're at and where you're headed. What is their style? What is their bent? How do we increase your leadership? How do we increase your influence? But I have used the same thing in situational leadership. So if you're not a parent, this is a great tool to use, sort of even if just mentally, to think about where you're headed with a new person in your company, for example. Early on, you're, you're the caregiver. You sort of you keep them in the sandbox. and You're not too much freedom yet. We're still checking you out. You seem to understand our culture, understand where we're headed, where we're going, what our vision is. As a person's with your company for a while, you move to the next stage, a little more freedom. You can ride your bike a little bit. Let's try this out. Then you move into situational leadership of coaching them. 
More freedom, more responsibility, more freedom, more responsibility. But ultimately, you're setting a vision to get to the place as a leader, how you work with each person in your company in such a way to bring the best out of them. That's what leaders do. We bring the best out of the different types of people we have to the point at which we're a consultant. How things going in your department? Great. Any advice here? And we've worked with folks. So these principles that we're going to learn in this series don't just apply if you have kids. They apply if you have parents. That's everybody. They apply if you influence anyone. So use these things beyond just the environment we're talking about. It's really a way to influence people in a very godly, other-centered way. Now, this tool is something we'll continue to talk about next week as we move forward in the series. But I also want to let you know that Easter is coming up. And in our Easter service, we have seven services. Three on Saturday, four on Sunday. Tickets are available today out by the fireplace. There's uh, three on Saturday, 2.30, 4.30, There's also an Easter egg hunt between those two. So uh, if you get an Easter egg ticket, just one ticket per kid, not per family, per kid. So grab an uh, Easter egg ticket per kid, and then you can come to the service before or after that. You don't want to miss the Easter egg hunt. We're going to have helicopters flying in and dropping the eggs from helicopters. And there's no frozen turkey that's going to be dropped. So that's important to us to realize. And then on Sunday, if you want a ticket... Again, you can grab those tickets up by the fireplace, 850, 10, 1110, 12.20. If you have some flexibility, uh, the 8.50 on Sunday usually is the one that has the most space. So if you have some flexibility, if you get tickets for that, we'd appreciate it. Lastly, if you come to the 12.20, we want to incentivize you to the later service. There's also a brunch we're going to provide right after that service. So on the back of the card is a little code. You'll do RSVP for that, and that's how we'll have enough food for everybody who's coming to the 12.20. All right, thanks again for being here. We'll see you next week as we continue in Parent Map. Thank you.